Welcome to the Cinescare Podcast, and I am one of your hosts, Matt Speak. And I am also one of your hosts, Joe Jans. And we are back again for episode four. I can't believe it's already been four episodes, Joe. It, it seems like, you Most know. Most horror franchises don't go four episodes. No, they don't. That's Well, not the good ones anyway. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Some of the really good ones went past four and they shouldn't have. I guess that's true. Yeah. Maybe we're, let's hope that we're one of the good ones that will go way past four. <laughs> and we, we just, have. we just peaked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was your Halloween? Uh, extremely uneventful. We had very few trick-or-treaters, although, uh, the ones we had, you know, they, they were thrilled that somebody was actually giving out candy. Uh, we socially distanced. We watched them in the front yard, had a nice bonfire going. Uh, it was it was fine. It wasn't what I had hoped, but considering the circumstances, uh, it was trick-or-treat nonetheless. So, yeah. How was yours? It was great. Uh, we didn't do trick-or-treating either. Our son, Reznor, he went uh, to a friend's house and... We drove around and looked at Halloween decorations in the neighborhood and then bought some food. I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been Mexican food. I don't remember now. And came home. Haunted Mexican food? It was. It was actually. Haunted, yeah, I, okay. Well, it haunted me for a while afterward. <laughs> but I bumped. Yeah. Um, I, actually, you could just do a sound cue there. Later. I'll, I'll put one in and post. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but where was I now? I, to, I made a funny and now I don't remember what I'm, oh, so we you were making a funny with the Mexican food. Yes. Uh, made some Mexican, we had some Mexican food and we got some pillows, blankets camped out on the, on the, uh, couch and watched Halloween and Halloween too. And I had a great time. It was, it was a, it was a nice, more mellow Halloween, but it was fun driving around the neighborhoods. Cause there were still, even though there were no trick or treaters going on, there were still a lot of houses that were completely decked out and people were doing the same thing as us. You could tell they were driving around slowly looking at, at, um, at the, you know, different decorations and things like that. So it was, it was a pretty cool, uh, night. I thought we had a good time. I'm, I'm hoping next year will be just, you know, one of those epic Halloweens, you know, decorate the house, have a party, the whole nine yards. Uh, you know, I've told you before, we do a party like every other year. This was our year off and it couldn't have come at a better time because of COVID. Right. So I would have hate to put all that effort into it for no return. But, you know, next year we'll get started early, like January, mm-hmm. you know, get working well, on props and whatnot. You know, I was at your party last year, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I totally I was, re- forgot what you went as. I was, uh, it was easy to forget because I don't know if I, if I really nailed it, but I was Dwight Schrute. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. I remember. And, uh, I honestly don't remember what Michelle was now. I think she was. She was some kind of doll or something. I don't know. Actually, I don't remember now. What she I know. Was. I know we were haunted uh, employees from the old uh, Milan Cinemas. That was pretty obscure uh, costume. Well, I like to dig deep. You yeah. Know? 
it was basically a last minute decision. We, we had all these uh, old employee like blazers and vests and stuff from the Milan cinemas when it closed down. I got to go in and raid the place. Oh, that's and right. uh, so they, yeah. they came in handy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you used to have theater seats from, from I that. used to have seats from the Milan cinemas. Cause I used to work right across the street at uh, Eagle foods, corporate headquarters when they shut down and I well, had plenty of time on my hands. Joe, I'm going to bring this full circle because my brother, Scott, whose ghost story I told last time, worked at that Eagle uh, as a draftsman. Uh, really? He, yeah. Uh, they, Small I, world. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think what he did back then was when they were designing a new store, he would draft it up, basically. I had uh, no idea. It's a, it is a very small world. I don't think it was at the same time as you. It definitely wasn't actually at the same okay. time as you, but but he did work there. Same oh, place. All right. Uh, well, Joe, let's get into the movies because we uh, do. Yeah, enough of this idle chit chat. Enough idle chit chat. <laughs> um, although, you know, I, I do remember there was something I did want to bring up because I remember when you, I don't, my, our, our fans out there probably don't know this, but Joe is a graphic designer was uh and he still does graphic design but uh he used to do it in chicago and i if i'm not mistaken and i hope i'm not mistaken because i've told this to too many people for me <laughs> to have been mistaken about it but i believe that you used to erase nipples is that not correct that's for the sears not, catalog no that's not correct at all <laughs> Oh, I told that to a lot of people. No, I mean, you Didn't can you still work? tell them. I used to work, I used to do the pagination and layout for the Sears flyers in your Sunday newspaper. Yeah. But, and um, it, what, didn't you go where the, like on the bra ads, didn't you have to go and basically? No, no, I, no, I, uh, I just did page layout. I didn't get to do photo retouching, <sighs> but, uh, you know, that, that was an aspiration of mine. One day, hopefully if I, you know, put my nose to the grindstone and kiss enough behinds long. Someday I, I might be able to erase nipples, but uh, yeah, no, no, sorry. Well, but feel I've free to keep people now the cat's out of the bag. But if anybody's not listening to this podcast, feel free to go ahead and tell them that I used to erase nipples for Sears. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and keep telling that story the way I told it, but I um, might just add that to my LinkedIn account now. It should be yeah, a nipple eraser. <laughs> uh, you know, I did get to watch some movie, and and I've got some good ones this week too, Joe. Because I this watched is a great one, segue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> going from nipple erasing, nipple erasing to, to horror movies, horror movies, and I I'd love to see a, nor- a horror movie that is about nipple erasing. Uh, but well, we'll, have actually, to, we'll have to write it. We could the we nipple could. eraser. Yeah, yeah, the nipple eraser. It'd be like you know. The purple nurple. Yeah. Okay. So I've got some good horror movies this week, Joe. Hit some me. really some really good ones. I watched one the other night that uh I is fantastic. Maybe one of the best movies of the year. But I'll start off because our last episode was in the middle of Halloween week. So I'm still I still have some Shocktober uh movies to tell you about. Uh, how many movies do you have by the way for tonight? You mean? Yeah. Uh, technically I got four. Okay. But two of mine are going to just run right into each other. Okay. So, um, it was on day 29 that I watched Halloween 2018, uh, the reboot and, or, well, I guess it was not really a reboot. It was 
a direct sequel to part one, which means that it's probably like the fourth or fifth. I can't even keep track of the timelines of this uh, franchise, but obviously you've got Halloween one, you've got Halloween two that are right after each other. Halloween three season of the witch was a completely different story, but told around the same time. Uh, Halloween four uh, follows from Halloween two. Halloween five, that's a whole storyline. Halloween six has its own, you know, is, is right in line with that storyline, but then H2O diverted. They cut from, I think part two. And this story does basically a similar thing. It just cuts to the first movie. So basically what happened in this view of this film, uh, directed by uh, David Gordon Green, uh, written by uh, his buddy Danny McBride, who they also did uh, Eastbound and Down together on HBO, which which going from a comedy, broad comedy series to a slasher is kind of interesting. But there's there I, I've uh, often maintained that there is a link between comedy and horror. They're both very similar. They both depend a lot on timing. They both depend a lot. Uh, they're, they're very similar. They have to do one thing well. And you have a classic. A comedy, if it does one thing well, if it makes you laugh throughout, like Talladega Nights or, or you know, whatever, Caddyshack, if that's all it does, it's successful. A horror movie, if it scares you, that's all it needed to do. At any rate, before I get off on a tangent, uh, this movie, they it's a loving reset, basically. It, it picks up. Uh, as a direct sequel to the first one, ignoring every other sequel, ignoring part two, ignoring everything else. Uh, they had actually originally planned uh, to do a kind of an overhead shot of Michael running away from the house, you know, after in part one, after he gets shot off the balcony, you know, he, they did a, uh, they were going to do like a, a kind of a, a, uh, what is it when they have the, the camera in the sky? What is that called? Like an aerial view? Yeah, like an aerial view, but they, they Bird's drone, eye view? A drone, a drone okay, shot. drone camera. Yeah, a drone camera. So they were going to have a drone camera following Michael running off, you know, and then the police eventually catch up to him. And that's their idea is that Michael's been in this insane asylum for all this time. Of course, he escapes and mayhem ensues on Halloween night, which is all I ever look for in a Halloween movie. And then I'll just um, I'll just skip to one more just because we've talked about it before. I also watched on day 20 on day 30, I believe uh, Halloween. Oh, no, it was the same day. I watched both of these on the same day. Halloween three season of the witch which is one of my favorites. I, I didn't used to love it, but I now that I'm an adult, I've, I find it really charming and just a really good horror movie. I, I think it, it suffered from being called Halloween three when it had nothing to do with the original story, but it's a good one. And I think you agree with that too, right? I, I love it except the sex scene really turns my stomach. <laughs> yeah. When the main guy gets it on in that cheap sleazy hotel room, it's just, Oh, can we just, cut that yeah out. <laughs> yeah i you know i love tom atkins but she looked like she was about 15 years old and yeah there's just something wasn't right about it and and yeah my wife always has that reaction when we when we come upon that scene i i really did enjoy the um i 
I don't want to call them contest winners, but like the top salesman that him and his, it was, it was a really Willy Wonka type mm-hmm. of scenario in there where they got to go and, you know, have their pick of the masks and stuff and how it turned on them. I uh, love that part. Yeah. It, it has a, a good, like dark sense of humor to it. I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a great one. So I own it on Blu-ray and it look and the Blu-ray version that I have looks fantastic. So probably better than that movie has any right to look, right. <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a, just a fun one, I think. Oh, yeah. and one more thing I wanted to mention before you go on to yours, because I do have a few more than you do. So um, but before you go to your first one, I wanted to also mention that I did finish the third day, which I know you had talked about, so I'm not going to talk about it. But it, that was fantastic. And yeah. Jude Law, Jude Law, I've always thought it was a very good actor, but he's not one that pops into my head when I think of great actors right now. But he's a great actor. and And his facial, just the... I mean, there's a lot of shots of just his face and his eyes, and he's just, he's fantastic. But uh, this is a really good series. I highly recommend it. That's the third day. It's on HBO. Which uh, which half of that series do you prefer? The summer or the winter? I don't, I you know, I don't think that I really thought, have thought about that too much, which one I like better, because they're both um, so, so they're both different, you know, enough that it, it's hard to compare them. But I would say, boy, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I haven't I haven't watched the winter. I haven't watched the last three. I've only finished summer. I just oh. didn't know if I should be, you know, looking forward oh. to it or not. Oh, yeah. No, part the, the second or winter is fantastic, too. OK. Yeah. yeah. All so right. That, uh, that's. I mean, that was three for me, but they are all just kind of, I wanted to get through them first. So go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm zipping through these because honestly, well, at least one of them is not even worth our time, but uh, I kept going down the rabbit hole, the Hellraiser rabbit hole. I watched numbers two and three. Uh, Number two is just, I mean, it wasn't directed uh, very well at all. And the storyline is so convoluted. It's trying to pick up right where it left off from Hellraiser one. And most of the movie, at least the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie is riddled with clips from the actual, like first Hellraiser movie is almost as if to say like, Hey, remember us? We did Hellraiser and that was really cool. And we don't have a storyline. So we're just going to chop up little bits from it and put it into part two. Um, and this this actually got included onto Roger Ebert's uh, most hated list, but the whole subplot that they had written for uh, like an origin story for Pinhead totally got scrapped. Uh, the sequel was greenlit for this while they were still in production, actually in post from the first Hellraiser. I uh, I really think they should have thought twice about that. This thing. The budget went up from a million dollars to three million dollars, and it did make money. Actually, it made like twelve million dollars worldwide gross. But the special effects were just god awful. They tried to introduce this new Doctor Canard Cenobite character at the end, and of course, this seemed really typical of the whole nineteen like late eighties horror dramas where there's like they introduced this character. She's this girl that doesn't talk at all, but she's really good at solving puzzles and how coincidental that 
she just happens to find a puzzle box. But this one, by far, in my opinion, certainly did not uh, warrant anybody's time. If you really want to get more into Hellraiser, I will say I watched number three and that one, the budget went up to $5 million, still made about 12 million. This one, I don't want to say it's more believable, but it's really the best way I could describe it. At least it's set in, I, I guess, a realistic scenario. There's this spoiled brat club owner kid who, you know, he's probably a millionaire, probably inherited it all from his parents, and he buys this giant bronze pillar, which happens to contain not only Pinhead's soul, but the uh, the puzzle box as well. And he just so happens to figure out a way to let them partially loose. And then it's that retelling of that old yarn from episode one, where if you just keep feeding me more bodies, then Pinhead will come to life. And they do that. And he gets out. The thing that I thought was interesting on this one is they wanted to start introducing different Cenobites. So they've pretty much killed off all the original ones. So they introduce uh, a new one called CD head and camera head and Barbie, which is the flame throwing or spitting. I should say bartender. Um, these, I, I, I thought it was a great idea that they're introducing new Cenobites. They might want to make them a little bit more timeless or else, you know, what was going to happen next was like a Tamagotchi Cenobite or a Microsoft Zune Cenobite. It, it just really missed the mark with the CD head. Uh, I guess they're going to have maybe an iPod one coming up soon. Uh, anyway, the Pillar of Souls was kind of unimpressive. It didn't really do much for me. But the acting in this one was much better. They seemed to have better direction. And uh, the effects seemed to be a little bit better. Uh, there seem to be more practical effects than trying to do half-assed uh, computer graphics. So anyway, that, that for the number two Hellraiser, I gave it like a cut and a half uh, Hellraiser three, two and a half. Excellent. Um, my next one is a film. I watched it on the 30th and it's called his house. And this was a really interesting sort of a haunted house movie. I, I don't want to say too much because it's, it's, there's a lot more going on, but basically it's a couple uh, of rep, a refugee couple uh, escape from war torn South Sudan, Sudan. Uh, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. So this thing's, Directed by Remy Weeks, who I believe is a, uh, this is his first, if I'm not mistaken, it's his first feature film. He has done some shorts and uh, something on television maybe, but this was really something. And the couple, well, the girl, the, the wife, she is from the show. Lovecraft country on HBO and she's fantastic in that. And in this, she has a, a really good African. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not an expert on Sud Sud Sudanese um, um, accents, but, but it's fantastic as far as I can tell. And they, 
basically escape out of Sudan and make their way to England, who accepts them as refugees war, from a war-torn area. And it's really partly about their struggle trying to figure out how to find a home here in um, among a culture that they, they don't really know and that doesn't really accept them completely. And, and then also there's something going on in the house. And I, I don't want to say too much because they're what, what they find, what it is, is, is pretty interesting, but it's, it's got a kind of a surreal feeling to it. It's, I wouldn't say it's scary, but it's certainly uh, an engrossing film. And it's one that proves again, that I think horror is the perfect medium to talk about the issues of the day. Sometimes it's a it's a great way to really delve into things that are or subjects that that aren't easy to show on film, and and actually show in a way sort of uh, build up the horror of their experience as refugees. Uh, it, it kind of, I guess, highlights that that feeling that they have, and the, and it makes us live through it too. So I highly recommend this one. I'd give it. I'm, I'm going to give it four cuts. It's a real good one. Uh, I think it might be one that in time I'll think of even higher, uh, more highly, but I highly recommend this one. It's called His House and it is on Netflix. So it's not even a rental or anything like that. It's a good one though. Okay. The next movie I'm doing, I absolutely love. Uh, I can't say this enough. If you have not seen this yet, Go watch this film. Turn off the podcast. We'll wait for you. And then watch this film and then come back. It's hereditary. Uh, 2018 film. This, If I had to come up with one word to describe this movie, I guess it would be unsettling. Uh, it's, it's one of the few movies that I've seen that just really, you know, rips into your gut and twists things up and just, Oh, there's a, I'm trying not to spoil too much of this movie. It's uh, a brief synopsis. Uh, actually the cast, Tony Collette uh, from the sixth sense is in this. Gabriel Byrne plays the dad. Uh, Miley Shapiro is Charlie. Who's the daughter and Alex Wolf plays their son. And this movie takes place. Uh, modern times. Uh, the there's a grandmother that has died. And the family was close with her. She was living with the family at the time. Uh, but the mom was always had a horrible relationship with their daughter, which is Tony Collette. Uh, there is just a series of bad things that are happening to this family and essentially, eventually paranormal stuff starts to set in. Uh, there is a scene with the son, Peter, played by Alex Wolf, that I'm not going to go into details, but this is the scene that I just physically felt like sick to my stomach watching it because you can just picture yourself being in his situation and he's doing exactly what every single person would do. You know, he's, he's going nuts inside of his head and he can't talk. He can't put two thoughts together and just checks out. Um, the special effects in this movie are just phenomenal. The ending of the movie gets a little, um, I, I would, I, I don't even want to say far-fetched, but a little out there paranormal wise, 
But I will say this, and I hope, again, this isn't spoiling any scene. There is a scene where Tony Collette is sawing off her own head. And it is just, it takes so long. They've done wonderful timing on that scene. It's just long enough to make you feel sick to your stomach. Uh, I just, I cannot rave about this movie enough. I, I, I saw it when it came out and I saw it again a few weeks ago and I'm ready to watch it a third time. Uh, this one is definitely in my hall of classics. This is a four and a half cuts for me. Oh yeah, that this is that's one that I, I put five cuts on that one myself. That that's I was debating a, about that. Yeah, it it four and a half, five. It's it's definitely up there. Yeah, I think it's a masterpiece. It's fantastic, and I I haven't watched it since I first saw it. So I really need to go back and revisit that one. Uh, and then on Halloween night, <clears throat> how many more do you have? I just got one. Okay, so I'll skip through this because on Halloween night I watched Halloween and Halloween two. Uh, obviously Halloween is a classic, uh, not necessarily the first slasher, but it was the, it was the one that really launched the, the genre. There was always, of course, black Christmas and, uh, some others before the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, and movies like that came before, but they were a little on the outside. They, they didn't become mainstream, but Halloween broke through the mainstream. You see, remember Jaws came out in 76, that started the summer blockbuster, right? And opened a whole new world of demographic, the young person coming back and seeing a movie over and over and over. That was then built upon the next year by Star Wars in 77. And again, young people going to see it over and over and over. Halloween was the horror version of that. Of course, it wasn't going to make as much money as those two movies because it was rated R, but it made as much money as an, any independent movie up to that point ever did. And it was obviously a classic. I give it five cuts and Halloween two, which originally I wasn't as impressed with the more I see it, the more I love it. I really enjoy this movie. I think it's very well done. They did their best to make it look exactly uh, the, the, the whole look and feel of it to look exactly as close to the original as they could. They brought John Carpenter didn't direct it. He produced it. Rick Rosenthal directed it, but they brought back the cinematographer, Dean Cundy, who went on to be a big time Hollywood cinematographer. He was the uh, cinematographer for Jurassic park and a whole bunch of other movies. He's Academy award winner. Now uh, I, I just love part two. I think it's really grown on me over the years. It's not perfect, certainly, but they did a great job. And I love that it just picks up right where the first one left off. And then uh, I came to a movie that I really did enjoy quite a bit. It's on Netflix right now. It's called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. And I just watched this last week and I got to say, this was really good. It's from Poland. It is a a snappy little slasher movie. Basically what it is, there's some, it's not perfect, certainly, but it's basically a group of teenagers arrive at summer camp. Survival camp is what they're at. And the whole point is to get them off their phones and off their technology because that's all they're into. They have to give up their phones immediately when they get there. And then a big, uh, they break up into groups. So we follow this one group being led by, a woman who is a survivalist and they go off into the woods to basically spend three days going through the 
immense forests of Poland. And of course, they come upon uh, some people living out in those woods, some backwoods types, uh, kind of Poland's versions of, of, I guess, kind of the hillbillies from Deliverance maybe or something like that, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre family or Wrong Turn, all of those backwoods kinds of movies. It's like that, but in Poland. Obviously, there's subtitles you don't want to watch. You don't want to watch these movies with dubbed voices over. It's always awful. So you got to watch the the subtitles. But this thing looks great. Uh, from what I understand, Poland doesn't have many uh, horror movies, and this might be one of their first slashers from what I read. But it looks really good. They It, it looks like a Hollywood film. It's uh, quite stylized, very well directed, and uh, some excellent, very pretty, pretty, pretty good practical effects too, uh, and gore. I think you'd like it a lot, Joe. It's called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight, and of course, it's brand new, 2020. On uh, well, it says here from Argentina, but this is a Polish film. So, uh, but yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, it sounds good. I'll have to check that one out. It's a, it's really good. I give it, uh, what did I give it? I think I gave it three and a half cuts, which for me, that's a, that's a good movie. Okay. The next one that I, or my last one, I should say, uh, I picked for a very specific reason and it's to bring up a debate. Uh, so I watched eight millimeter with Nicholas cage, uh, actually Nicholas cage, Joaquin Phoenix, James Gandolfini, uh, Catherine Keener. I mean, Nicolas Cage is an Oscar winner. Joaquin Phoenix is an Oscar winner. James Gandolfini, Golden Globe winner. Catherine Keener, Oscar nominee. They made this movie with Joel Schumacher, who's, you know, how can Joel Schumacher do something like the Lost Boys and Flatliners, but also do DC Cab, Batman and Robin, and this piece of junk? Um, this, If you haven't seen this, consider yourself lucky. Uh, the story takes place uh, about... Tom Wells, who's a private investigator, he gets hired by this really rich woman whose husband just died, and she unearthed uh, some of his worldly possessions in a vault, I guess. And she uncovers this 8mm video, and they watch it, and it turns out to be a snuff film. It's a porno version of some girl getting killed. And the widow wants to know if this is real or not. She wants to know if... Uh, this girl's still alive or if this all is just some big elaborate hoax. And so Tom Wells has to dive into the world of underground pornography and snuff films to try to find out uh, if it's legitimate or not. This is uh, abysmal. Um, I, this is not one of Nicolas Cage's finest acting moments. I mean, I'm looking at the list of other possible candidates for this movie. Russell Crowe was supposed to be in this and he turned it down. Mark Wahlberg was supposed to play Joaquin Phoenix part. He turned it down. Hell, Bruce Willis was supposed to be in this. Bruce Willis doesn't turn down anything, but he turned this down. But one thing I, I I'm not spoiling anything and trust me, it's not worth spoiling. But one thing I cannot figure out is at the very beginning of this movie, Nicolas Cage's character is driving in his car back home to see his wife and his newborn daughter. And just before he pulls into the driveway, he throws a cigarette out the window and he squirts a little breath spray into his mouth. Then he goes inside. His wife then confronts him and asks him if he's been smoking. Looks her dead in the eye, says, no, 
I told you, we went over this. I, I quit smoking. And, and she presses the issue a bit and he keeps denying it. And then later on, he's in the basement. He gets a phone call. And while he's on the phone, he cracks a window and opens up another cigarette in his own home. And then just like sprays some Lysol in the end. This goes nowhere. It is never mentioned again throughout the rest of the film about his smoking habit. But yet every single scene after that, he's got a cigarette in his mouth. I just, I don't understand what this plot device was for, but, uh, and actually, um, another little interesting tip about this. The original title of this film was supposed to be sexy world. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad they, uh, they went with eight millimeter, but still, um, this is, this is just tough to watch. I, uh, I'm surprised I made it all the way through it again. I don't know why I watched this a sec. Well, actually, I do know why. Um, I give it one and a half cuts. And the whole reason I watched this again is because my question for the evening is, is this a horror film? And what constitutes a horror film? Um, I would say it's at least horror adjacent, which is a term that they used on uh, the shockwaves podcast, which is now defunct. Um, and I, I would say it's at least that, but you know, it's, it's so it, it's one of those things. And, and you see people debating this one online all the time. And it's, it's really hard to define what a horror movie is. Uh, it's, it's so subjective, uh, yeah. you know, but I, I know some people just will swear up and down that Jaws is not a horror movie, but I maintain that it's a an aquatic horror movie. It's a, it's a subgenre of horror called aquatic horror, and there's a lot of them, uh, and and, and it and harkens back to the old monster movies. But this one, I I would say, is more of a thriller, probably to me, and and maybe uh, maybe a little bit. I mean, there's obviously horrific things that happen in it, so it's kind of hard to 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 tease out. But I mean, if somebody called it horror, I wouldn't argue with them about it. Okay, according to Wikipedia, which you know is my go-to for everything, a horror film is one that seeks to elicit fear in its audience for entertainment purposes. Yeah. So the, uh, by that rights, um, Seven would be a horror film. Uh, the Sixth Sense obviously is. Um, well, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, Silence would be of another the Lambs. horror film. Yeah, yeah. Anything that's uh, you know serial killer ish. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. In fact, they, you know, when Silence of the Lambs won, uh, I believe it won Best Picture, or or was nominated. It was nominated at least. It was the first uh, horror movie to win Best Picture, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, actually now I don't remember if it did or not, but I believe it did. Uh, but they, and they, and that I remember people saying that back then that, you know, it was a first horror movie to win and, and certainly it elicits fear in people. Uh, sure. And, and it's, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with anyone who wants to call it horror. There's I, people get hung up on it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's, it's some of it is a bit subjective and some movies, are certainly horror adjacent as they say, but I, I don't know that, that it's, you know, it matters to me that much, but if it helps at all, I'm, I'm in the school of thought that says jaws, a horror movie. Oh yeah. Totally. I mean, I, it's, it's got gore. Yeah. You know, Quint gets eaten yeah. bitten in half. 
and you and know. he's he's on a purpose. If if it was a guy out there, it would be a slasher. We'd call it a slasher, but because it's yeah. a shark, people want to act like it's a nature movie or something like that. But it, <laughs> but it's, it's it's not a documentary, folks. Yeah, no, it's an aquatic horror. It's, it's yeah. a, that is a an actual subgenre. So, um, but I mean, you know, viewer or listeners out there, if you disagree, tell us what you think. Tell us what you think on the uh, on the old Facebook page. Yeah. So my last movie is one that I just watched a couple nights ago. And this one is, I, I I don't want to say too much because it's still simmering in my mind, but I would put it, I don't know that I'd say it's as good as hereditary or the witch, but it's up there and it's, it, I'd, I'd say it's in the same ballpark as those movies. It's, it's that good. It's called the dark and the wicked from 2020 it just came out it is available for rent right now it's it's through shutter but it's not available on shutter it's for rent right now it'll be available on shutter in january apparently or in 2021 they're saying so this thing is bleak and it is scary and basically what it is it there's elements that remind me a, a little bit of of hereditary. It doesn't go as much into the family drama as hereditary. It sticks more to the horror story, but, and, and whereas hereditary kind of takes a turn at a certain point and it becomes something out of left field a little bit, which I loved, but it, it becomes, it takes a turn, right? This movie has that horror throughout and Whereas Hereditary seems more like a family drama and then it turns into a horror movie. This movie with, with, with little bits that, you know, obviously you, that are kind of haunting sort of things, but this movie is horror from the get go. It is involved. What is involved is a, a father. There's a farm. This family has a farm. The father is in some sort of coma and the mother is taking care of him the daughter and son come to the house to help her. And she basically says, you guys should not have come here. And she's crazy. Like they see her and they're like, what is wrong with mom? What is going on? And there is a scene with the mom when she finally loses it. That is, there's a few scenes in this that are really horrifying. Some fantastic practical effects. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give anything away on this because there's some scenes that really took me off guard and they were done so well. This thing is is directed by the same guy who directed the movie The Strangers, if you remember, with Liv Tyler. Uh, his name's Brian Bertino. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was the director of The, the Strangers. If uh, Yeah, he directed The Strangers, The Black Coat's Daughter, which is another one of my favorites, uh, and Strangers Pray at Night. I didn't care for Strangers Pray at Night. And he also did one called The Monster, which I haven't seen yet. But this thing, I'm telling you right now, this is probably one of my going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. On a secluded farm in a nondescript rural town, look kind of looks like Iowa, but I believe it might be. I don't remember now what they said, but uh, a man is slowly dying. His family gathers to mourn, and soon a darkness grows, marked by waking nightmares and a growing sense that something evil is taking over the family. And I'm telling you right now, Joe, this thing is tense 
it it builds the tension slowly it builds the horror slowly you get little hints of it you get little scenes of it you're not sure how much of it is going on in the minds of the characters and how much is really going on in real life and there's a little bit of both and uh, the fa- the acting is fantastic the there's there's uh actors that i think you've seen before Marin Ireland and some others you you probably have seen a couple of these actors in some other things but generally these are no no name actors and i i got to tell you this is i highly recommend this one i have it right now at four cuts but i'm kind of leaning toward four and a half and who knows? I, I'm letting it simmer a little bit because I don't want my initial reaction to to go too far. But I'm gonna right now. I'm thinking of this in the same terms as Hereditary and The Witch and and some of the great uh, um, The Conjuring, some of the great horror movies of the last decade. So if, if you watch any horror movie in the next week, it should be this one: The Dark and the Wicked from 2020. Hey, by the way, I did some quick little background fact-checking. Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture. Uh, Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor. Jodie Foster won Best Actress. And Jonathan Demme won Best Director. And uh, it also won for Best Writing Screenplay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. That's great. Uh, Yeah, and I remember them saying back then it was the first horror movie to win an Academy Award, which at the time I didn't really think of it as a horror movie. but, But when you think about it, it kind of is. Yeah, it is. You know, it really, I mean, there, what else are you going to call it? Um, I don't, I don't look at baskets and lotions uh, the same way ever since. Yeah. Oh, me either. Yeah. Okay. So let's see, what time are we at? Wow. We've, we've, we've really killed some time. What, uh, what do you have for a horror movie or I'm sorry for a ghost story, Joe? Uh, actually I have, uh, real life, or at least a local uh, story to talk about. There's the something in Monmouth, Illinois, a uh, local attraction, I guess, relatively speaking, called uh, Crybaby Bridge. Now, this bridge, uh, it's not the original one, but the story still applies. There are actually a couple legends that go along this one the theory is what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to find this bridge and drive your car onto the center of it, put it in a neutral and sit there and wait. And eventually what's going to happen is, is you will find yourself on the other end of the bridge. And here's why, according to legends, the first one is, is there was a single mother millennium ago who she was, afraid and ashamed of being ostracized because she was an unwed mother and she ended up throwing her baby over the edge and killing it. Uh, the second story is telling the tale of a elementary school bus that went careening over the side. And then the other little legend behind this bridge is one day there was a car full of teenagers, uh, joyriding, and there was a little farmer standing on the bridge. He was fishing over the edge and the joy riders didn't see him, knocked him over the edge and killed him. So that's, those are three legends all tied to this bridge in Monmouth, Illinois. And they're saying that if you get out of your car beforehand and sprinkle like some talcum powder or whatnot on the back hood of your car, 
uh, that once you get to the other end of the bridge, you're supposed to get out and look for fingerprints. And what those fingerprints are supposed to be are the handprints of the children that have all died uh, at this bridge's hands. And uh, they've, they've been the ones that were rescuing you. They pushed your vehicle from one end to the other. Uh, so that's, that's our little, you know, every year around Halloween, this story surfaces, uh, it's, it makes all the TV stations and radio stations. It's one of those little, if you got a Saturday afternoon with nothing to do, drive on out to Monmouth, Illinois and, and see what happens. See if you get your own story out of it. Mm, That's a good one. That's a spooky one. Yeah. Uh, I have one. I I was sent some other stories from, from different people. Uh, but this one, we, we're, we only have so much time, so I, I, we will get to your stories. Please don't uh, don't kill me for not getting to yours tonight. But I'm going to choose this first one. This one was sent to me by Corey Volk from, uh, I believe she lives out here in Carlsbad, California, actually. It's, uh a, a piece north of here, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, I don't know exactly where Carlsbad is, but I don't think I've ever been there. But Joe, this one has to do with <laughs> why are you laughing? So right? Because the embellishments are, are my favorite part of this whole podcast. <laughs> well, I wasn't even embellishing yet, Joe. I, I, <laughs> I know I just... Just, they're coming. I can't wait. So, okay. Go ahead. Well, this one has to do with, have you ever had night terrors, Joe? A- every night. Ah. <laughs> have you ever had sleep paralysis? Never. I, I think you should go to a doctor and, and get this checked out, Joe, because night terrors without sleep paralysis is, is a sign of something worse. Every anyway. night re- ends with me waking up screaming. Uh, how lucky for your life. Yeah. So this uh, Corey, she says that about four summers ago, her husband and her, they went for a quick camping trip at Palomar Mountain which is only about an hour east of their home in Carlsbad, California. And while they were there, a group of six teens came to us and asked if it would be okay to use some nearby trees to hang their hammocks as their site was flat. Now, to me, Joe, the teens coming and camping right next to you, that's probably the scariest part of this whole story. Uh, I'd I'd be shaking my fist in the air at those youngsters. Yeah, I would say no. Those trees are not available. Those you are we claim those trees. Those yeah. are our trees. Yeah, we're going to. They're weak. They're not going to support your hammock lifestyle. Yeah. This is probably where they've made their first. Find your own damn trees. Yeah, uh, if anything could cause sleep paralysis, it would be hammocking <laughs> teens. You, you guys are not going to want a hammock here because I have a tendency to wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Exactly, uh, and. It, she said that they wanted to use their hammocks because their site was flat. But personally, I, wouldn't that be the thing you'd want is a flat site? I don't know. Beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, wake up in a rocky terrain. Yeah. But they had no, no issue with teens, probably because they'd never raised one. And they were yeah. the teens, she said, were very courteous. And they didn't hear from them until night started to fall. And they had returned to go to bed. I guess they went off and did their thing, came back, got in their hammocks, and away they were. Now, they had a small, narrow two-person tent, Joe. <laughs> I'm not sure why that's funny, but they had a small, narrow two, two-person tent, and the roof was mesh, so you could see the stars and the trees and the moonlight. Now, Sounds like a lovely tent. It, it is a fantastic Cozy. tent. 
And I like that too. A lot of times you have the rain cover and you don't get to see the stars. But if you know it's not going to rain, which is usually the case here in California, you can look through that mesh and you can see the stars and fall asleep. Uh, But her husband and her, they were lying on their backs, talking and giggling over the sounds of the teens occasionally falling. (laughs) Apparently they fell out of their hammocks, which is a lot of fun. (laughs) But not thinking much of it while they were talking about whatever they were talking about, they could hear one of the teens nearby get out of his hammock. But instead of walking down to the restrooms, she, Corey hears the sound of crunching footsteps coming toward their tent. And suddenly her whole body froze. The footsteps approached, and a black silhouette leaned over the tent to look down at them. Now she can't move, she can't scream, She can't blink. She's just staring up at the sky and the figure. The best she could do was make a gurgle sound and humming in her throat. How do you make a gurgle sound and hum in her throat? I'm not sure. But then a hand began to fumble for the zipper that was near her head. Now, that that would be scary. I'd I'd have a problem. Uh, I mean, we're laughing right now, but if I couldn't move and I was in a tent in the middle of the woods and, and there was a gray figure hovering over the tent, trying to open up my, my zipper on the tent, that would be a problem. Yeah, I'd be gone. Her husband rolled over confused and started fumbling for the zipper. And the, oh, the fumbling for the zipper stopped. And then she relaxed. The gray figure was gone. So they get out of the tent, they go out and look, nothing. So they go back down, they go back to sleep. And her body froze yet again. This time she heard no footsteps, but saw multiple black silhouettes lean to stare into their tent. And they heard more hands fumbling for the zippers of the tent. Her husband, and of course the gurgling sound started again. This time her husband was genuinely freaked out. He grabbed her shoulders and she relaxed. And she said, I don't know what's going on. Did you see that? So he spent... He didn't see the gray figures apparently, but he got out. They looked around. The teens were fast asleep. They could not have been the ones. There were no footprints around their their tent. So it couldn't have been them. There was something else. There's some other kind of gray figures in the night that was obviously causing her to have sleep paralysis as well. So her husband spent the rest of the night into the early morning sitting by the fire, too weirded out to sleep. And apparently she fell asleep into a deep sleep after the second episode. So she could have had um, more sleep paralysis, I suppose. But in the morning, um, her voice was raw from trying to scream and her entire body was sore from fighting the paralysis. And that's it. That's the end of the story. So, So what do you think the looming gray figure was? I don't know. But, oh, she did say... Nothing has ever happened like that to her before. She's never had, she never had any kind of sleep paralysis before. She's never had it since. But from now on, when they camp, they stay in cabins instead of tents. I, I think it was Mr. Johnson, the carnival owner. And, you know, he probably would have got away with it too from for those damn kids and their meddling dog. I agree. That probably <laughs> was exactly what it was. They're probably trying to scare people away from the tent or from the campground so that they can cash in on the insurance money. Or, or maybe uh, somebody else had staked a claim to that even terrain. 
Oh, the flat terrain? Yeah, the flat terrain. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody camping in It was in an hammock. ancient Indian burial ground, yeah. It, it doesn't seem like it would be a great thing. It, you'd, Hammocking you'd, is all the rage with these millennials. I guess so. These kids. What are you going to do? <laughs> all right, cool. Joe. That was a great story, though. Yeah, that was a Thank good one. Thank you very much for sending us that. I hope we get more of these. This is, this is by far my favorite part of the show. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. And Corey, thank you so much for that story. I know Leslie and a couple other people have sent stories as well. We will get to them, I promise. But we just had, be, between Shocktober and other things, we had way too many too many movies to get through too. So, uh, and hey, Corey, Corey, if you're listening, I hope you are. Uh, why don't you reach out to us on our Facebook page and get us your address? Maybe we'll send you a Cinescare sticker yep. you can uh, put on your tent next time you're or on your cabin door, I guess, next time you're out in the woods. Yeah, and that's something for all of you out there with a scary story. If you send one to us and we read it on the air, we will send you a Cinescare sticker, and that way you can put it on your on your I don't know your MacBook. Your hydro flask <laughs> on your MacBook Pro, and so when you go to <laughs> class, you'll see Cinescare, and the, all the other kids or college kids will be like, "Hey, what's I want that? one of those." Yeah, That's I want awesome. one. I got a scary story. So was that please, designed by the guy that takes nipples off of the Sears catalog? Yeah, that you bet your ass it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right, sir. Well, I believe we've done it. We, we have yet it. again. Yep, nailed it. Nailed it this time. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Please, as I said, as we said before, tell your friends who are into horror, horror movies and ghost stories to uh, please listen in, subscribe, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, rate us on iTunes or whatever uh, podcasting site you use. And please, even if you don't have a personal ghost story, maybe send us a message tipping us off to a local ghost story that we can look up and, and find on the air. And I guess that's it. So until next time, we will probably, I guess, be doing another show in two weeks. So we will see you then. Good night, everybody. Take care. <laughs>